Jew vs. the World, a podcast about love, laughter, and life. Today, we're um, getting inspiration through information. Today on the podcast, we have Erike. Eric. Eric Berry. Okay, let's start that over. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> Eric Berry. No, we're going to keep that in. Because uh, <laughs> everybody <laughs> makes mistakes. Everybody got to know it, too. Right. Eric Berry on the line. She is a culinary phenom. Um, if you haven't, check her on Instagram. She has all her wares, all the different recipes. She's cooking, definitely, in this COVID-19 quarantine world. You need If you need some recipes, quick, fast, in a hurry. She has all the culinary delights. And if you're just a foodie, you get on there and you can slobber from all the different types of amazing food she has around Charlotte and the <laughs> ones she cooks herself. Hey, so how are you doing today? I'm doing good, doing good um, for our circumstances. Mm-hmm. How has, um, first and foremost, um, I see you're, you are a contributor in the QC City Metro. Mm-hmm. The paper? Awesome. I actually had somebody on um, the po- um, podcast as well who is actually, um, she's editing director, I, I believe. Um, so what got you started First of all, what got you started interested in food? And then how did you come to write about food? Oh, great question. So I would say started off like from a young kid. My mom was a pretty awesome cook. And so she, even though, you know, she was definitely a single parent, she still managed to like cook every day. So every day um, my sister and I looked forward to, you know, the seven to eight o'clock dinner. So dinner was normal. Um, I would say the nights when she was like, no, I'm not cooking half sandwiches. I was very upset with her. Um, <laughs> but I, because I was so close to her, I spent a lot of time with her in the kitchen and spending a lot of time with her in the kitchen. I always say like really the turning point came until one day she was like, you know, if you're going to be in here, you need to do something. And I was like, well, sh- tell me what I need to do. And so from there, and I would say this was probably maybe even middle school. Um, I was in the kitchen cooking with her, and so I just loved it. Um, I love what food, when people see good food, um, the reaction on their face, when they taste good food, their responses. So I think probably every cook or you know chef loves the reaction they get from people when they see good food and taste good food. That is so true, and, and they say that food is um, is it translates into every language. It translates into every like consciousness. Right. It crosses all mm-hmm. racial divides. It's, <laughs> yes. it's, a, it's, a, it's definitely a collaborator between the two. So wh- what made you write about it after you actually, are you a chef? Are you culinary trained? What is your, where does your passion kind of lie? Um, absolutely not. So I'm not trained at all. I would say I like to use the term cook, um, home there cook. Um, and move away from chef because those individuals go to school for many a years and are trained on a whole different level. Um, so I want to give them their credit. But yeah, I'm more of a home cook, um, testing recipes, that type of thing. Um, looking at recipes, sometimes watch YouTube videos and pick to pick up techniques, but mostly a home cook. And I would say writing. So sh- shout out to Katrina, um, the editor of QC Metro. She so I would tag when. When I started maybe taking like Instagram more seriously and trying to build like more quality content, 
Um, I would always tag like QC food blogger, black foodie. Well, I would say not QC food blogger, but um, Charlotte food blogger, uh, black foodie, those type of things. And so she, I guess she came across some of the tags, like she maybe have searched one of the tags on Instagram and found my account and reached out. And I would say this happened December last year. And mm-hmm. we talked about some ideas and what things I would be interested in. And from there, you know, we kicked off with my first um, story, which is about my mother and I and how I got into cooking. And then um, so I've been covering different things and different stories about how food affects the black community or our part in um, the food scene in Charlotte. So are you originally from Charlotte? No, I'm originally from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So right up the street. Not too far. And I see that you went to A&T. I went to A&T. Yes. Aggie Pride. There we go. I knew he was going to say that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one thing I know about A&T people, they will they have so much love for the HBCU. And I went to Smith, so okay. I, I understand the HBCU experience and how much passion, how much mm-hmm. love goes into just, just making through that four years and being... Right. I feel... It, and I always say to people, it's different because it's more like you're going to a family. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just a your number or your your student registration number. You're more of a like a name, and everybody kind of like they bring love and prosperity around you. Right, they do their best. You know, they do their best to work with you and make sure that you have all the tools to exceed some way somehow. I agree 100%. And I tell, like, I tell a lot of, I've done different couple panels about have, mm-hmm. helping um, Black students decide, like, what's the best school and, you mm-hmm. know, HBC or PWI. And, you know, I have n- nothing against predominantly white institutions. But, like, I always tell students, when I went to an HBCU, never did I imagine I would actually lose my mother while I was there. And so mm-hmm. I think if I was anywhere else, um, I wouldn't have had, like you said, that support, that extended family um, to make sure I finished. So after losing my mother my junior year, um, the personnel and the faculty that I worked with at A&T were just like, no, you're going to finish this thing. Like, we're going to figure out what you need to make sure you finish. So I always attribute that to A&T for helping me reach the end goal um, of graduating. So once that kind of tragedy, first of all, mm-hmm. sorry for that loss. Once, um, once that once that tragedy happened to you, what kind of pushed you and strive? And other than the faculty, what kind of pushed you to strive to become who you are now? Um, I think there's a piece of you when your parents or family members, you know, in your life, do sacrifice so much. To you to get to that spot is kind of even though you do lose them, you don't necessarily want to throw away everything that they sacrificed for you to get to that mm-hmm. spot. And so that was my thing. I was in my junior year. And so I was almost done. I was almost to the finish line. And so I'm just like, you're already, you know, almost there. And knowing that my mother had sacrificed so much for me to get to that spot, you know, I was just like, I got to, You know, I got to keep going. And um, what made you move to Charlotte? Or when did you move to Charlotte? <laughs> so I first moved to Charlotte in 2007. So being transparent, um, I got I major, well, I got my degree in applied math with the focus of econ. So my last year of school, I decided I wanted to be a math teacher. And I wanted to go and teach 
because I wanted black students to see, like, you know, black people major in math, you know, Mm -hmm. give students an opportunity to have a black math teacher. So that was like my end goal. So during research um, in 2007, Charlotte paid the teachers the most amount of money. And um, because, you know, because like my family, they were supportive, but at the same time, they were like, you know, you have a math degree. You could do so much more. You can make so much more money than being a teacher, and which I, you know, which I do understand. But at the same time, that necessarily wasn't um, where I found my purpose at. So I found my purpose at, in teaching. And so I did my research. And so Charlotte was paying teachers the most. And they were offering at the time like a $5,000 um, sign on bonus if you Ooh. taught at what they call a title one school so 80 mm-hmm. percent of the students are on re- for your reduced lunch so it was initially like the pay and then charlotte seemed like the city for young adults and um, recent graduates so i was like it's a middle ground of you know a little bit of city life but not necessarily all country so yeah so that's it the real reason well the initial reason that i moved to charlotte and are you still teaching to this day? So I'm no longer teaching. Um, so I left the classroom um, December 2019, um, which was what I needed to do for me. But I currently still work um, in education. Um, I work with students and helping them eventually transfer to a four-year university to abstain, to obtain a degree in science, engineering, math, or technology. So we call them STEM degrees. Um, so I'm helping community college students do that. Nice. So do you um, at all? So you you heard a bit of this new thing, STEAM, right? Mm-hmm. I think they put I think they put art. Is that art? Yeah, art they they put yeah. art in there. Yes. Okay. Um. So are you teach? Are you helping um, students from like CPCC or um? And how are you helping them? Kind of like what is what are the skills that you're kind of indoctrinating them mm-hmm. with to help them kind of pursue the next um, stage of their um, educational career? So, yeah, so uh, it's through a program. So it's grant funded um, mm-hmm. program. Um, A&T is the like lead university behind it, but it's a grant program that works with three different community colleges in the state of North Carolina. So mm-hmm. um, Central Piedmont, Forsyth Tech and Guilford Tech. And so students yes. that are currently at um, these community college, they are studying a STEM based associate's degree. So they are maybe gotcha. doing an engineering technology. Uh, we don't necessarily focus on the arts. Arts is very important, but for this program is really making sure students are in degree programs like computer engineering or civil engineering. Um, the sciences, we hope students are like biology your chemistries, physics, those type of things. Um, we don't have too many math people right now, but mm-hmm. engineering and our technology is like within CP is the highest amount of students. And basically what we do is offer another layer of support while they're obtaining their degree. So they get experience in actually visiting um, different employment places. Recently, we did a mock interview where they got to interview with some industry professionals in engineering and science and they got to you know they were asked questions and they responded and they got feedback um they also get like a stipend so some some financial support um it's just connecting and the team that i work with we're all stem majors actually all three of us are actually math people so we all got 
undergrad degrees in math. So they actually get real life experience um, with working with professionals that actually majored in STEM. So it's geared towards unrepresented groups. So um, Mm -hmm. minorities such as black, um, the Latinx community, um, Native American. um, So underrepresented. So that's the focus for the program. Yeah, I used to be in a similar program called HBCU Up. Oh, nice. Yeah, it used to be a program. I think if you're the first person in your family to actually go to um, college that you, you know, they kind of help you, facilitate you and um, different things. So I was able to go to Nesby conferences for free and stuff like that. Um, and again, like you said, it was very beneficial to kind of push me in the right direction to kind of finish up school and see what um, the possibilities are after you get your degree and not mm-hmm. just see kind of the inner workings of just, hey, this is school, whatever. Right. Um, so that's your kind of current hustle. So I see you are also writing for um, the Metro. Um, what, so you have like usually math majors and writing don't kind of like correlate <laughs> two different sides of the brain. So right. what got you into actually like writing and actually making content like that? Um, to be perfectly honest, I um, probably in 2019, I set a goal for myself. So you are absolutely correct as far as this <laughs> math major. Um, I Sometimes I joke that I changed my major to math in college so I wouldn't have to write papers. Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> I really, people were like, that's where you went? I was like, yeah, that's how much I hate writing. Um, but what I, what I learned through like professional life is like you're – Math, majoring in math is about like critical thinking and problem solving. But when you talk about like getting ideas out and sharing content is through writing. And so I was like, hey, you kind of have to go like beat this fear of writing. Like it can't be that hard, you know. And so in 2019, I kind of committed to like stop being so scared to write. Um, so when Katrina reached out at, in December 2019, I was like, oh, maybe this is a sign. I put it out in the universe <laughs> and this is a sign. Um, so I'm still like terrified every time I write up any story. Um, I don't know if it's taken me longer than others, but I feel like it takes me a while to write them mm-hmm. um, because I'm so insecure at times of what I'm writing. And so Katrina's awesome. So she's a you know, she's the editor and she definitely, you know, sends back feedback I'm in the writing and helps guide the flow. And um, from there, I've learned so much just writing for QC Metro. So writing was not, um, I didn't reach out to QC Metro. They reached out to me. But (laughs) because of that, it has kind of elevated me wanting to take writing more seriously and to convey, you know, my ideas, because that's that's how you get the stuff out there. So you're you're are you what are your topics about you said that they're about um you know food and culture and how it correlates to black black culture are mm-hmm. you also doing like restaurant pieces like rating restaurants I, I i think your most recent article was about uh food trucks mm-hmm. um and how they're probably how they're going to try to survive this whole COVID 19 right. kind of recession um what are first of all what are what was one of your favorite pieces that you um, wrote and you can't say the first one with your mom yeah <laughs> what was the favorite one of your favorite pieces that you wrote so far um 
I would say um, Leah and Louise with Greg and Sabrina. Um, yeah, this oxtail soup. That's, that's yes. So, and I say this is my that was my favorite story, and I know mm-hmm. like like a lot of people cover Greg and Sabrina, but just like sitting in the midst of them and seeing like their relationship um, as a married couple working together and the affection that they have for each other, the affection that they have for, you know, the staff and the people they work for, the affection they have for the community. Um, And I really think like, you know, some of us could tell like when we sit in the presence of like good people and and those Mm -hmm. two are like good people and just kind of hearing their story um, about like Leah Louise decor and, you know, these fancy couches in your grandma's house, you know, if they were in your grandma's house, they would have like plastic on it and, you know, identify with that so much and like the church pews. And so just, or, and even how they came up with the dishes and like the tang pie, like, I mean, I didn't necessarily grow up with drinking tang. We, we, we drank Kool-Aid. Um, Mm -hmm. but, um, (laughs) but knowing like, to incorporate in the dish like I would have never thought and I mean the tang pie is probably like my favorite um I've ordered it a couple times now so I would say that was like my favorite because what I what I love most is like hearing people's stories of like how they got to that place um and a lot of times we think you know people just wake up one day and it happens no it's like a long journey and so I'm always interested in the journey of um how somebody gets to a place in food so I would never I would never say I'm a food uh I don't critique food. Like I wouldn't say like, you know, this was, you know, not good or cooked well or the staff. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I would, I would never do that. Um, I, it may not be the nicest thing. Well, I wouldn't say the nicest thing, but some people don't like that. You know, you don't speak negatively about restaurants. That's just mm-hmm. not my thing. If I don't post about it nine times out of 10, I just, I didn't like it. So if I, if it's something gotcha. that, I didn't like, I just don't post about it. You know, um, if somebody personally asks me, then I'll tell them, but I'm not going to put it out there. So I kind of, I would say I want to tell stories through food, um, not necessarily critique food. Um, and then gotcha. show people like some making sure that black rest, black owned restaurants, you know, get their fair shine and, in media. Cause a lot of times you'll people say, Oh, I didn't even know this open or I didn't even know this happened. And I think it's just a media deficit for, um, and a marketing deficit for some of our Black-owned um, restaurants and food-owned businesses. A hundred percent. And so it, you you said that Leah and Louise has their own kind of vibe. One question I had for you is that if you can open up a restaurant, mm-hmm. what would, what would, what, first of all, what would it be called? Okay. What type of cuisine would it have? Kind of give me a little bit simplistic view of the decor mm-hmm. and how would the wait staff dress? Oh, that's a good question. So not to say I have thought about it before, but <laughs> no way am I really interested in opening a restaurant. Um, oh, yeah. It is. I would say if I would open something, it would kind of be more of a like a book, coffee, tea shop. Um, cause those are three things that I absolutely love. Um, cause I wanted to be like a more laid back feel cause that's my personality. So nothing like fine dining and people got to look nice, like really just a chill spot where people can hang out, um, hear good music. So definitely as everybody else love, love our nineties R and B. So like nineties R and B, good coffee, good tea, um, and then books. And so that would kind of be like my vibe and 
a staff that was very much interested in providing um, was, I would say, knowledgeable about coffee and tea and mm-hmm. and books. So, yeah, that would kind of be my deal. That's dope. Um, what would be your favorite dish to cook? What would you say is your favorite dish to cook when you have the time? Ooh, that's a good one. I would say my favorite dish that I love to cook would probably be pad thai. Um it pad thai is a lot of work, but like if you put in the work and take the steps, the end result of like homemade pad thai is pretty delicious. Um, um, it's just fresh and you know, sometimes when you get takeout, you know, just the point of them packaging up and breaking it home, yeah. it tastes different. So um Both homemade together. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like when you fresh get it out the pan and um, yeah, so I would say homemade pad thai is probably my favorite, but it's a lot of steps. I haven't even made it in a while because of the amount of steps and the amount of ingredients. Have you been to this place called Taste of Thai, I think it's called? Uh, uh, University City? Yeah. I think... Thai Taste. Thai Taste. Yes. Uh, which one? I'm trying to... I always get the two mixed there's, up. Well, there's one. There's basil thai. Then there's Thai taste. Mm-hmm. Thai taste is like a little bit smaller. It kind of looks like a like a OG Chinese food restaurant almost. Yes, but it, mm-hmm. but it has like a couple, maybe twelve seats, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and that's in one in university. And then there's one in Uptown as well over there okay. in South End by the um, the Shell gas station. Yeah, so that was probably the first Thai place I ever been to, and nice. and you're right, they they are delicious, and they have a really good wait staff. So um, I always enjoy my time when I go there. So I used to always go for the lunch specials. Um, yes. My friends and I were like, "Oh, let's do lunch." We would go there. Yeah, and I have a big. I love spicy food, mm. and I always I always go to the five. I think it is, <laughs> and it. I don't know if you ever seen the show called Hot Ones. No, it's, I haven't. Oh yeah, it's basically like they eat hot foods and the, the people ask them questions. But it's like Scoville levels like a thousand or a billion or whatever. But every time I have the the um the ten, I mean the five, my eyes are watering. I'm crying uh-huh. like like, and I'm like, I love every bit of it. It tastes so good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm a spicy person too, but sometimes I'm a little nervous at restaurants to get it spicy. So, but I do order a little bit of spice when I go there. What's your favorite hot sauce? Um, I would have to say like Texas Pete all day because so I'm, from Wissa- mm-hmm. cause I'm from because I'm from Winston Salem, and Texas yep. Pete is <laughs> um, headquarters. Um, I don't know if it still is, but at one point in time, it was in Winston Salem. So I am Texas Pete all day long. It's funny because I'm originally from New York and Texas Pete wasn't even flying on my radar until I went to school down here. Yep. And people, it's either Texas Pete or nothing. It's like, <laughs> it's like Texas Pete, Duke mayonnaise, like all that stuff is kind of like central yep. to like the South. Mm-hmm. So I will, I do keep two. So I keep Texas Pete and I keep Frank's Red Hot. There so it depends on, most of the time, to me... Texas Pete goes on everything, can go on everything. Um, Frank's, I love it on certain things. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of like Frank's a little bit more on like fried chicken just because it's thicker. 
Um, but I only use Frank's on certain certain things. Or hot, it's the best. It is a better hot wing sauce. So if you're making yes. chicken wings, um, Frank's is a better um, hot wing sauce than Texas Beat regular sauce, um, hot sauce. So in this virus pandemic, I see I see in your um, Instagram that you're kind of showing all your your meals that you're creating. Um, what are, what are you doing? I'm just asking everybody. What are you uh-huh. doing to keep sane in the house? And what are you doing to kind of make sure that you're also kind of keeping still keeping educated, still like you know moving around, keeping your you know your brain and your body kind of going at the same time, mm-hmm. so you don't kind of um, explode or implode. Yeah, uh, that's a good one too. I would say. I do. I feel like I do have an advantage because I am a homebody. So there's been times like not even um, COVID-19 self-isolation that I probably would be in the house two days straight (laughs) and not go out. So um, but I would say like, you know, this meme going around like, yeah, I am a homebody, but I did like to go to a couple places. So that's Mm -hmm. how I do feel. I do like to and I do like to go to restaurants, but um, I would say what I'm doing most um, luckily, before COVID-19 hit, I had checked out like about five or six cookbooks um, from the public library. So I still have those. Um, I have, still have two other books. So reading, definitely. And I also down- re-downloaded Words with Friends, um, mm-hmm. Uno. So Uno's new, um, I came across. And so that's been fun, um, connecting like with my friends that were playing Uno. So that's kind of like the fun things. And Staying on top of these like music battles really upset that, you know, Babyface and Teddy Riley got canceled. That was not the news I was wanting to wake up to this morning, but um, definitely enjoying the music battles. And and I would say I did watch TV, but I am watching a little bit more TV and discovering some shows. that I was like, oh, you know, I never knew this was on um, and I'm watching. So not all just like you know, betterment. So some of this like relaxing stuff that I usually wouldn't do, I'm, I'm doing. Yes. It's, I think everybody's maxing out their Netflix account. (laughs) Right. Definitely. Okay. We're going to go into the next section of the podcast. It's called shots fired. Yeah. Um, It's elevated icebreaker. So it's going to be about 15, 20 questions. Okay. Um, Just, First thing that comes out your head, say which say um the answer that comes first. Okay. Um okay, you ready? I'm ready. All right, this is shots fired. What's your favorite color? Purple. What's your favorite sport? Uh basketball. What's your favorite movie? Ooh, five heartbeats. And what is a movie that you love to hate? Like a movie that you're like, ah, I love this movie, but I can't tell nobody about it. Um, ah, this is hard. I would say probably some Tyler Perry movie. <laughs> <laughs> some Medea. <laughs> I'm going to say Medea's uh, funeral. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what song describes your life? Um, ooh. Oh, this one's hard. I would say um, Jill Scott, Living Life Like It's Golden. That just always gets me in the mood. 
Which what's your favorite type of music? Oh, R and B. Okay. Um, what's your favorite album? Oh, Usher's Confessions. <sighs> All the way through, right? From <laughs> first, first, first song to the end. Yes. <laughs> Who's your favorite artist? And I'm going to preface this by saying it doesn't need to be a musical artist. Mm -hmm. It can be anybody who conveys emotion to you. So it could be a dancer. It could be a singer. It could be a rapper. It could be a painter. Yeah. Um, I would say... Ooh, that's hard to say. I would say it definitely would be in the music um, genre or the music arena. But I would definitely say like soulful music so like your maxwell's and mm. your jill scott's that whole um group of individuals kind of convey you know what i love in arts nice one place you want to visit that you haven't as of yet oh um i would say like brazil nice place you would go in the apocalypse very apt oh. for this moment in time in the world. Right. <laughs> oh, I would probably say I would go like back home to Winston Salem, um, okay. just because, like, just to be around family. Um, you know, we kind of make this. COVID makes it where we can't. They don't want us to be together. So I. Yes. That's why I haven't. So you know, trying to keep everybody safe, we've kept our distances. But I would definitely probably go back to Winston Salem. Okay. Who is your celebrity crush? Ooh, let's see. Uh, this is hard. <laughs> we may have to come back to this one because I'm trying to think. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Everybody gets one pass. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, who would you change places with for one day? I would say probably like Aisha Curry, just because I just like, you know, her business and marketing, like cooking, family, restaurant, mm -hmm. that whole deal. What is the most influential influential book you have read? Um, I would say the most influential would probably be like the four hour work week. Um, only because it allowed me to like learn how to cut some cut some stuff down. Um, and maximize time in life. Nice. What would be the name of your autobiography? Um, probably Eating with E or Eating with Ari and then telling my life story through food. I like that. Um, if you had to be handcuffed to somebody for one month, who would it be? Oh, no. <laughs> Just the thought of that gives me anxiety. Uh <laughs> Ah, uh, ooh, yeah. Oh, you said I only get one pass too. <laughs> I would probably say like um, my best friend Bonnie. Like I would say we probably would get on our each other's nerve with day fifteen, but at the same time, you know, we wouldn't separate. Like we would, you know, thug that thing out. Here we go. If you had to remove every app on your phone except three, what would those be? I would say Apple Music, um, Twitter, and I don't know, include COVID-19 or not. I would probably say, so Apple Music, Instagram, and Twitter. Those are probably the three. Gotcha.
So if you had a talk show, who would be your first guest? First guest, excuse me, mm-hmm. alive or dead, and what would be the first thing you ask them? Ooh, first guest. Huh? Trying to think. Let's see. I, w- I mean, she's still alive, but Angela Davis is definitely somebody I'm mm. always interested in and who she is as a woman and what she's done for her community and how she's, you know, stood her ground. Like, I'm always interested in that. Yeah, she's seen so much, so much. Yes. What would be the first question you ask her? I think my first question would be, like, how do you stay, um, like, pushing this? Because when you try to fight for others um, and stand your ground, like, you get so much pushback and you get, you're beaten down so much. So my question would be, like, how has she been able to, like, stand her ground within so long, you know, fighting for the rights of herself, but also others and a criticism and how to deal with that. Cause I think that when you're out in media and you do podcasts or you do content, you know, everybody has opinion, you know? And so not all those, most of those opinions may not be nice. And so how do you, how do you kind of balance that pushback from people? Gotcha. What's one superpower you want to have? I would say probably teleportation. Um, nice. Only because I really don't like driving. So, um, <laughs> yeah, if I could just teleport and be done with it. All right. This should be perfect. Um, so last question always is, what is your death row meal? Last meal on earth. Um, I need an app. I need an entree. And I need a dessert. Ooh. So an appetizer. Appetizer, I'm probably going to say, like, some type of, like, stuffed mushroom. You um, are, okay, this is, <laughs> you are literally the third, third person in a row that I've interviewed that uh-huh. says stuffed mushrooms. Yes, like, some type of stuffed mushroom <laughs> with cheese as an appetizer. Mm-hmm. Um, Meal-wise, I would say, and I would say, like, I cook, but I kind of like the simple things in life, so... Meal-wise, it's going to be like a piece together. I'm thinking like, I definitely want some macaroni cheese on the plate mm, and nice. wings and a salad. Like, maybe I should did the app as a salad, but wings and salad are kind of, is like my favorite combo. Um, so as long as it has chicken and macaroni cheese somewhere in there, I think I'll be good. And yes. dessert, I would say my favorite dessert is like strawberry cake. So some type of cake. So strawberry cake or um, red velvet cake. Okay, cool. And we're back to the last question that you skipped. What's your celebrity crush? Oh, celebrity crush. It's so it's so hard because it's like it's different arenas. Arenas that, you know, men oh, I still I still can't okay. think of one. I can't. When you when you if you ever come to one, we'll put that in post. Okay. <laughs> All right. Perfect. So that's been shots fired. <laughs> okay. So next we're going to the pillows of the podcast, which is life, love, and laughter. And um, first one I have here is life. So mm-hmm. one question about life. Um, so I'm getting. I'm gonna get into the the deep one, and then I'm gonna get into the very weird one. Um, <laughs> Where do you think we go when we die? 
Heaven. Okay. Do you think there's a hell or no hell? Oh, there's definitely hell, too. (laughs) 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 There's both. (laughs) So what does that journey to go to heaven look like for you? The journey? I think just being Christian in the Christian faith, you know, it's Mm -hmm. believing in Christ, you know, believe that, you know, he was um, killed and rose on the third day. So Romans 10, nine. So just believing that with all your heart, you know, that's the way you're saved and you go to heaven. And I think we all should do our best and just live the gospel of God through our lives and just show the light. So not to say we don't make mistakes, but at the same time, we should try to be like Jesus, you know, and make sure we're doing right by people and that type of thing and asking for forgiveness. So that's the other piece of it. So good segue to, um, to the next question I have is, have you ever made a mistake or, or a, what, I guess the question is, what is a mistake that you've made that you've learned the most from? Ooh, I would say I've made tons of mistakes, but I would say the most mistakes like I always regret are like financial mistakes. Um, and I think it's, it's a learning process a little bit. Um, in a sense, I would say the big, I, it kind of may seem like a mistake. It's a mistake to me, but others are like, oh, well, you got in. So, um, I bought a house probably about seven years ago when it was a recession and I got it at a great price. Um, but the thing about not about buying a house not only do you want to have money, you know, saved for, you know, closing costs and all that kind of thing. You want to have money saved to actually like furnish your house and do the things you want to do with your house. So, you know, I got in at a good time and I got in, um, you know, at a good price. But at the same time, I necessarily didn't have savings to like furnish and decorate. And so um, I think you went it's I personally went into more debt trying to like furnish and decorate and kind of make the house of home because you'll say to yourself like oh I can wait on that stuff but once you get in your new place you're gonna mm-hmm. want furniture you want you're gonna want to fill up the spaces and so um, my advice to anybody if you can you know definitely wait till you actually to have money to furnish your house and buy blinds and do all those other things that come come along with owning a house yeah that's that's very good information because you, I some people don't realize like after you buy a house, there's so many other factors. So it's not like an apartment. <laughs> there's not going to be everything set up for you at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Like that that model home that you saw is not going to be. It's nothing going to be in there. <laughs> yeah, nothing. And so you think, and then you and you know you'll tell yourself this like, oh, you know, I'll just get what I need. But no, like mm-hmm. you don't want to necessarily walk into an empty space every day. You know, you're gonna want to put something in that space and you're going to want to paint and you want to going to add other things. So yeah. So make sure you have a budget for that. So the, the weird question I have is, this is a new question that I came up mm-hmm. with. Um, have you ever had an experience with ghosts, aliens or spirits? Ooh. So I would say when I was when I was little, um, what was that show? Uh, it was like a creepy show. Um, I don't remember the white guy. He used to always do like people being abducted by aliens. So as a kid, I really thought that there was a possible. Uh, I forgot the name of that show. Ooh, but as a kid, I really thought there was a chance I could be abducted by aliens. So I went through that phase in my life, and 
I think when my mom passed, I like, you know, that was a really rough time. And so like I spent this one, this is probably like a day or two after she passed away. And I like, you know, was crying and just like really upset. And I was sleeping in her room. And, you know, I remember like praying to God or just like, you know, I just need to talk to her one more time or something, you know, something of the nature. It sounds good in theory, but mm-hmm. I never forget when I was like laying in the bed, like, you know, crying and um, my mom was a heavy set woman. So I remember it felt like the bed had went down as if she like sat on the bed. And so it freaked me out, of course. And so like I come running out of the room and my grandma was like in North Carolina and she was like, your mom's back there, isn't she? And I was like, how'd you know? I was like, I think that was her. So that was kind of like my only like real ghost type of thing. So it was kind of like, I like, oh, I need to talk to her. I need to see her again. And then it's like, she sat on the bed with me. At least that's what I felt. I was like, oh no, I'm out of here. <laughs> it's, it's awesome that she came in or possibly came in at your time of need too. Yeah, but it still scared me. So I was like, yeah. I'm not as, you know, I love my mom to death, but I don't know if I'm ready for a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so the love section, we're going to go mm. right into that's a good segue. Um, what is your worst breakup story? Or do you have a bad breakup story? Yeah, I really don't have a bad breakup story. You know, I just think, um, you know, we just decided, you know, to go our separate ways. And I'm pretty low key, so I'm not the type to, you know, go scratch any cars or do anything <laughs> like that. So, you know, we've all just decided to go our separate ways and, you know, live life a little bit. So So I'm gonna flip that question then. Mm-hmm. What makes a good breakup? Uh, can any breakup really be good? I think mm-hmm. it's just <laughs> It can be. Definitely if usually I always say this, like, if people, like, for instance, let's let's go into the deeper weeds of marriage. If people get mm-hmm. divorced, they needed to be divorced, you know? Yeah. They, they, okay. They, there's, there's a reason for it. Um, I would say a good one would probably be, like, communication in mm-hmm. sense of, you know, we're kind of in this generation of, like, ghosting and that type of thing. And <laughs> I think just really just having a conversation. And I think it's hard for a lot of us to have hard conversations with people. Um, like, really, truly telling somebody, like, this is why, you know, I don't, I no longer want to be in this relationship or I want to move on um, versus ghosting. So I think having the conversation about it makes it, a somewhat decent breakup so the person the other person doesn't leave you know without knowing what really happened and or so they don't start to speculate like what the reasons were why do you think people why why is this new thing of ghosting coming around i feel like it's more prominent now than ever Mm -hmm. i think i think technology one so technology Mm -hmm. makes it easier to ghost um, we probably already had always had like a ghosting, you know, they used to say like my dad went to the store and never came back. Um, so I think ghosting's been around around for a while. Um, but I think technology makes it a little bit easier. Um, I also think having hard conversations and really expressing to others how we feel about things is difficult for a lot of us. And not addressing those feelings and just leaving seems a little bit easier to do. That's true. 
how how have you kind of tread the waters of being able to express to somebody um, the harder harder facts? Mm-hmm. How have you how, how like when somebody needs to hear something but they don't want to hear it? Right. I think it's it's more been like trusting my own feelings. So sometimes we don't trust our own feelings, and so we kind of you know say, "Oh, we're tripping," or no, just acknowledge our own feelings and know that they're real and they're coming from somewhere, um, even even if it is a past experience. So I would say one, trusting my feelings. And then going through a process of learning how to communicate my feelings without necessarily attacking the other person. Yeah, that's when put people come into a defensive mode. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. Okay, what does love mean to you? Um. Well, God is love, so I think love is actionable. So it is, you know. It's action-based. So, you know, caring for another person as long as yourself. So caring for yourself and caring for the well-being of somebody you, you know, you love. That's deep. That's a bar right there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, last part of the podcast is Mm -hmm. laughter. Um, So I I love to end it up, end it on like a lighter note. So what's one thing that you could think of that puts a smile on your face on in your darkest times Hmm. i would say any martin episode um (laughs) would definitely do that um i also this a movie that i always go to for a laugh is step brothers so definitely media yes um so step brothers is just one of those movies i keep watching like i've never seen it um and laugh each time like you know what in the world but um i would say movies laughter and i always say say family so you know you we should and hopefully we all have different friends or family we can call in life um that we can talk to to kind of ease up the you know the down times yeah I i think that's what everybody needs right now somebody to just connect with i was just thinking about that the other day is like some people don't even have that social connection when when there's no um, quarantine, so those people are just kind of like in this ether of nothingness at the moment. So I I hope they get, you know, at least through social media, maybe through mm-hmm. some connections via like Zoom or something or like even like a hobby that they have that they can have some type of social interaction. Because even though people don't like to be social, I think everybody needs somebody eventually. Right, right. And social interaction is like very important. And I think if we if we take the mindset like we were never designed to be alone, you know, we were designed to be together. We were designed to create together um, and grow together. It changes the perspective. So like I understand how this period of COVID-19 is really hard for people because, you know, it's pretty much like cut off all you know, connections outside of what's in your household. And and that's really hard for humans. And I get that piece um, at the same time. I'm like, I want to live past COVID-19. So I'm going <laughs> to do, um, you know, what is said to be the best and, you know, being safe. So, yeah. Well, again, thank you so, so, so much for joining me thank and answering all my crazy ass questions. Um <laughs> 
so just give everybody how they can reach you, how they can reach out, um, all social medias and events that you may or may not be having. <laughs> uh, um, and yeah, go, go right at it. Yeah. So um, all of my social media is my first and last name, Eric Berry. So my first name is spelled E-R-I-Q-U-E. And then last name, Barry, B-E-R-R-Y. Um, no events, but definitely um, I'm working with QC Metro to put out some content as far as recipes and some lighthearted stuff um, that's not all focused on COVID-19. And um, so just check me out there. And hopefully, I would say maybe in the fall when all the festivals are back in, you know, I'll definitely be doing the University City Wine Fest um mm. so that's a great event and they have two new events um this year um not necessarily i think they're still going to happen but it's been pushed i think september um so the two new events this year was a um, mimosa and rosé brunch and then a mm. girls night out thing like that friday before um the university city wine fest so I, you I, you'll catch me at all the events in the fall hopefully Awesome. Again, thank you very much for um, joining. So the last thing we have on a podcast is our catchphrase. It's, it's love, peace, and chicken grease. Yes. So <laughs> if you can just say that so we can sign on off. Love, peace, and chicken grease. Okay. And this has been another episode of Drew versus the World. Thanks. <laughs>